2: you're listening to the hawksby and jacobs daily podcast this is paul hawksby and andy jacobs
3: and this is uh, the h&j daily some of the uh, best bits of this
4: afternoon's show uh, what did we like today andy we liked Clive Tilsley with his commentary on ordinary life. That was good fun. The Moose yeah. had a program quiz for us. That was very good. Uh, we heard we went yeah. all the way back to 2014, day one of our holiday stroke business trip in Rio. We had some dog news. Yeah. Paul had a very good on this day, yesterday, or whenever it was. Mike Ward and yeah. a bit of Steve Bruce. That's it. That's essentially it. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. And thanks for bearing with us yesterday. It was a few teething troubles, weren't there, Paul?
3: Yes, there were. We uh, we have, as you probably tell, there's a slight delay on the line. So uh, <laughs> that does slightly throw us uh, now and again. But uh, we're trying to get to grips with it. So if you hear these slightly longer pauses between our ramblings than usual... There is a reason for that. It's the equipment we're currently using to bring you the show. Show some shows got different equipment. Some show. You know, you know, I know you don't care about this, but we're telling you. <laughs> some have delays. Some don't. So uh, this is the, this is what, uh, what we're dealing with at the moment. But of course, uh, our feeling was we'd rather be doing it than not. Uh, hopefully, you feel like that as well. So we will continue a broadcast uh, for you. And uh, yeah, we got loads. We got loads to chat about t- today, Andy. I know you've been perusing the papers as always.
4: I know. I feel like half the time I'm doing a show with Igor Monachev like we used to do when he was in Moscow and he could never hear us. But anyway, uh, this apparently is true. People should avoid using their microwave at the same time as their Wi-Fi in order to get better internet speed. So if I go off air, it's Sue, just Sue doing her lunch during this next period. <laughs> okay. Have you had
3: a word with her then about not using sort of, uh, bits and pieces around the house? I mean, does she use the
4: microwave a lot? Could, could this happen at any point? Well, there's, there's always a danger. She likes a long, long microwaving of a sweet. She likes to eat the really? inside of a sweet. I know, it's weird, isn't it? And, uh, and it, the whole flat smells of sweet. the whole block smells of sweet. but she doesn't care. She's determined to give it the full hour and a half roasting and it's, uh, yeah, but an hour and a half all. in a microwave. <laughs> well, it does seem to be that. We've worn out a lot of mic. We need like an industrial one, like for a factory. Yeah. To, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's fine. It's, I don't mind.
3: Have you got, I've way. got an idea. Have you, have you ever heard
4: of these things, ovens? <laughs> yeah, they're all I the right. Why don't you get one of them? <laughs> I, shall, I shall try my best. Now, I've got some lockdown good. facts for you, Paul, uh, courtesy of Paul Donnelly, who wrote in The Star. These, these are pretty good, actually. Uh, in 1907, Irish cook Mary Mallon was arrested because she carried typhoid fever, hence her nickname, Typhoid Mary. And she'd infected 51 Exactly, fifty-one people, and of course it's a a lesson for today. But this is the bit that got me. She was arrested again in 1915 and spent the last 23 years of her life in enforced quarantine. Blimey, she must have been infectious. (laughs) Wow! Yeah, fifty. Wow, that's That is hell of a lockdown, isn't it? Poor woman. <laughs> Blimey! I was,
3: was going to say Blimey, O'Reilly, but that was her cousin, of course.
4: <laughs> and William Shakespeare, a bit like Mike Perry, uh, was in quarantine as the plague swept through London. Uh, many academics believe he used the time to write King Lear, Macbeth, and Antony and Cleopatra.
3: About that, That's a fantastic fact.
4: Do you want a, you want a virus <laughs> fact, by the way? I've got I one do. for
3: you, which is good. Uh, there, there's been some people uh, globally, some world leaders uh, pointing the finger at, at China throughout this, and a lot has been referred back to uh, the Spanish flu and the similarities of the Spanish flu in the uh, last century. And uh, uh, via the, the marvel of Twitter, uh, Christopher S. Rose, a man who clearly knows his stuff said, fun fact, uh, it was called the Spanish flu because Spain was neutral during World War I and their uncensored press was the first to report the disease. It was actually first detected at an army base in Kansas. And he adds, and yes, the Spanish did get upset when it was called Spanish flu. So <laughs> there we are. It didn't originate in Spain. Uh, but, uh, it's like make of that what you will.
4: What a fun fact!
3: <laughs> Great. Yeah, well, it's, well, it said
4: fun fact. Yeah, I know it's, it's as much fun as you can have at the moment, really. <laughs> and uh, talk about there's nothing to bet on. But Matt Baker, uh, formerly of the One Show, is favourite. Yeah, still of the One
3: Show. He's still he's still working on the One Show. He's working from home. I've, I've seen him on there. that's odd.
4: It's, well, where does it say I've got here? Okay, book. I'll read it out. Bookies have slashed the odds on Matt Baker being on. I'm a Celebrity this year. Uh, they said that I won't name the bookmaker. Maybe looking for a new challenge. Since quitting the one show. I didn't know he'd quit the one show. <laughs> anyway, a flurry of bets saw the odds of Matt going into the jungle fall from 6-1 to one to 2-1. to one.
3: Well, who knows? I, I thought I saw him on the telly from home the other night. So, uh, look, maybe Matt will ring in and put, put us right. Now, you say there's nothing to bet on. But there is. We discovered, yesterday. we thought we were bringing you racing. Uh, there's very few places where there's any left. Happy Valley when they're running. It's only two, la- two days left of racing in South Africa. And they're running at Val this afternoon. And uh, once again, once again, um, our old mate uh, Rupert Bell will be calling <laughs> them home. And we found one or two listeners yesterday did actually have a bit of a flutter on it. So... You can, you can do it for fun. We can do a bit of a pin stickers guide, or we'll read you out the runners and riders, and you can just pick a name you fancy later on just for a bit of live sport. But if you want to have a punt, we're covering the 220. Uh, This afternoon from VAR with Rupert Bell commentating. I've got to be honest, the effects are a bit shonky uh, for our (laughs) race commentary. (laughs) No expense has been spent on that. It is basically a couple of coconuts uh, being banged together, a couple of coconut shells. But anyway, we will bring you uh, what passes for live racing at around
4: uh, 2.20 this afternoon. Sue's kindly brought me in a cup of tea. I I had to admonish her after the show yesterday because she only brought me one. I'm used to the uh, tech op bringing, or the phone op bringing in at least one an hour. So I don't know about you, is Karen doing new teas on a
1: regular basis? I'm going I'm I'm,
3: I'm <clears> to <throat> go every two hours, Andy, because I'm very aware of the fact that we're having short breaks at the moment and, and toilet breaks. So I know, I mean, your bladder is a, is a thing of beauty, isn't it? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you may I'll spend more, three <laughs> cups of tea for you. You may spend a lot more time in the loo than you probably do on air, but uh, we <laughs> shall see. Our series, uh, Steve Bruce reading his murder mystery. We'll bring you that a little bit later on. But uh, our old mate Dave Kidd from The Sun suggested the other day that uh, the country will get a lift from uh, a daily dose of uh, TV sports themes. So we thought we would uh, pick Dave up on that. So we take you into the uh, travel uh, with uh, St. and Greaves' theme. Here it is.
2: Hawksby and Jacob's daily podcast from Talk Sport.
3: We're going to have a chat now with a top commentator and uh, he's not alone as a commentator in keeping his hand in uh, when there is no commentary work to be had. Clive Tildesley has uh, taken to the kitchen with the missus and, and the microphone and this is a flavour of what he's been doing over the last week or so.
5: Welcome to uh, our kitchen and Live coverage of our supper preparation.
0: Tonight, I'm thinking lasagna.
5: Absolutely essential. Washing hands. Oh, garlic. Tomato puree. Wait a minute. No, we've got to check. Possible stockpiling. How many onions are there in there? No, we need them all. Check complete. Carry on. You've seen it, the theatre of dreams today i'm in the house of horrors the family bathroom there were some uh, comments after sunday's lasagna that Clyde didn't really uh, do very much uh, it's a game of opinions but maybe unclogging the uh, shower drain is what is best all foam that's not good this could get very little messy i think there will have to be some questions as to exactly uh, who all this hair once belonged to. The eighth hole at Tilsley Towers is the signature hole. It's a par one, trees down the right-hand side, and a sharp dog leg, well, more of a broken leg left before the hole falls downhill to a very carefully guarded green. And it's a very warm welcome back to the kitchen here at uh, Tilsley Towers. Oh, wait a minute, there's a VAR check for illegal social distancing Less than two metres. Sorry, sorry. Look at that. Absolutely perfect. I've stopped commentating. I might have a work close now. It's just us two in our own little world for now. I hope that you can stay safe in your own
6: little world.
3: There we are. The soundtrack of a man going ever so slightly mad. He joins us now. Good afternoon, Clive. (laughs) Who are
6: you?
7: Go away. (laughs) (laughs) Missing you both
3: madly. Oh, so it's, look, it's been a lot of fun. We've been watching the videos go through. I love the fact that Mrs. is in the kind of Glenn role as as your sidekick.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, I do love Glenn in a way, but in a different kind of a way. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very much hold up together and, and happily hold up together. We've been very, very fortunate so far, um, but it's, it's never far away. Just today, um, we've heard that... Um, one of our sons, his, his girlfriend, has uh, tested positive and she works in the NHS. So it, it isn't very far away. And um, I'm very mindful, while we are trying to keep a smile on one or two faces, and we've been encouraged to do so by many thousand faces, that uh, this really isn't very much fun for an no. awful lot of people. And so you've got to try and strike the balance, haven't you?
4: You have, Clive, no question. Though they did make me laugh this morning because they said to me, uh, Clive Tilsley's been cleaning out his plug hole, which is <laughs> sort of, yeah, sounds a bit... You
7: know. <laughs> it, was, it was a first. I only did it for
4: the video.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> and uh, and you love your golf, too. I know from uh, following you on Facebook, you're often playing with your wife. So you've adapted the garden, I gather.
7: <laughs> we adapted uh, an indoor hole uh, down the stairs, um, which I never completed because it involved getting the ball to bounce into an upturned toilet roll holder. And uh, unfortunately, Mrs. T required the last loo roll left in the house before I'd finished the hole. It was it came between us at the time, but we patched it up now.
3: <laughs> Do you uh, have you been wallowing in a bit of nostalgia, Clive? Have you been checking out old um, football matches and et cetera? Quite the opposite in many
7: ways. Uh, one thing that, that I have been trying to promote on on Instagram and, and, and now on the YouTube channel really is... Um, helping undergraduates, media undergraduates, uh, with their studies and, and investigating communication with them. Um, I, I've done quite a lot of seminars this year in, in the times when we could actually all get together. Um, and I've, I've been helping quite a few people with dissertations and um, taking part in, in podcasts and so on. So I've probably been engaging... Uh, far more um, with the, the the people who are about to take our jobs, when <laughs> we we'll get back to work uh, rather rather than looking backwards um, too much. I'm not I'm not very nostalgic. Uh, I, I've never been happier in my life. Um, so not obviously right now. The last two three weeks have been a little <laughs> more trying, but um, no, I'm I'm a great believer that all the sports that we can measure. Um, have moved forward, you know, track and field and so on. Anything we can put a clock on or a distance on, and they've got to believe that. Um, you know, while we, we 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 maybe get a little bit misty-eyed um, and uh, romantic about the first football that we saw, um, I'm missing today's football very much indeed.
4: I gather, Clive, you may have been asked uh, once or twice the difference between radio and TV commentary.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, it's one of those questions which which crops up a lot when you when you do start to i hate the word lecture but if you start to talk publicly about what it is you're doing about i think we're in communication first and foremost and i think it's an uh, an act of journalism as, as much as anything identifying your audience and serving your audience and obviously the difference between a radio and television audience is very different and I think that the first thing that a television commentator has got to get their head around is that he or she are not as important as they are on radio. And I think you've got to commentate accordingly, commentate more perhaps with the head than with the heart. I've loved working with, with you guys this season because when the red light comes on for a radio commentary, you just plug in and go, say it as, as you see it. And um, it's, uh, I, you actually feel quite physically drained at the end of a radio commentary because I think it does come more from the heart.
3: Uh, you say you're working with the kind of people that that, that want, ultimately want your job. I mean, the kind of route in to your job, uh, how much has it changed since uh, you became a commentator and you've moved into that world? Is it more accessible than ever before or, or not?
7: I find that the most difficult area to answer questions on because I, I know very little about the the actual career path now. I suspect that there's good news and bad news. I think compared to when I was desperate to, to get into broadcasting, um, in, actually in my teens, even before I graduated, um, making any kind of a showreel, actually being published, actually getting your work out there for people to hear and read and for you to, to listen back to was almost impossible. It was pressing play and record at the same time on a cassette player. Uh, now that is very different. You, you can set up your own radio station in an afternoon the bad news is that whereas when i was trying to get into further education i think there were three media courses in the entire university and polytechnic system in the uk now there are at least three in every university and so there are far more broadcast and journalist graduates for the number of vacancies that there are uh, in our in our business so it's very very competitive but uh, I think the opportunity, if you're good enough and if you're determined enough, is there for these people. The, one of the last um, lectures I, I did was, at, I always get the initials the wrong way around, UCFB, is it UFCB, which is based at Wembley, um, which hmm. is almost specifically training people for the football industry, be it in marketing, some in coaching, some in the business side, and quite a lot in the broadcast and journalist, uh, journalistic side. And what a place to go every day to study, to, to, you know, this is a vacation. I'm sure you guys both wanted to be doing this when you were sort of 13, 14, 15 years of age. I know I did. And imagine being able to, to study, to go into the business you most want to at Wembley Stadium every day.
4: It's true, Clive. I wanted to do it when I was about five. I used to do John Arnott yeah. under, under my bed sheets. But God willing, you'll be doing the European <laughs> Championship. Uh, that it sounded like Euro disgusting, didn't Euro it? You're in 2021. <laughs> 2021. And I think the delay may be good for England, Clive. I think, you know, obviously Kane and Rashford, please, well, they'll be fit. But also our younger players will be a year older, like Mount and Madison. I think it, this might be interesting for Gareth. Yeah. I mean, I've had a bit of,
7: I, I think, here comes the first name drop. I mean, he is a friend of mine, and um, I've had a little bit of uh, message contact with him. And he's pretty philosophical about it. I mean, Gareth is a very—he is, is everything that you would hope he would be. He is that man. It's not a front. So he has the intelligence to work, and and he has the this, you know the, the the sense of perspective to work all this out. And and he would be the first person to say that football is not the most important thing at this moment in time. But uh, he did message me um, to say, you know, everybody will be so desperate to see a game when this is all over. Uh, and he, I think he genuinely feels that there'll be a, a, an opposite. I mean, listen, every industry in the world is going to come out of this differently than it went in. I mean, this this is going to be a reality check for a lot of people. Um, and I'm sure, you know, our business, broadcasting, All the sports businesses are going to come out the other side differently. But if if you're playing good football and and if, if your brand matters as the England football brand matters to the country, then I think there'll be a huge amount of anticipation to see the national team play again, whoever's fit and whoever's not.
3: Now, Clive, um, a, a new edition of uh, Tildesley in Lockdown has dropped, as I believe the kids say, <laughs> in the last hour, and it's it's a slight de- development of uh, cooking in the kitchen and clearing out the, uh, the shower.
7: Are you going to play a bit?
3: Well, i well,
7: I tell you what. I was going to ask you to
3: maybe set it up first. I'm going to play a bit, but um, you've gone down. You've gone down a slightly different route. So to, before I have, we play, yeah, it, I, hmm. um,
7: I, I felt that it was important that a, a different, um, a, a, a different approach to some of the great music that's been made in the modern era. Hmm. Um, a, a different slant on some of it, and and just. You just cast... It. And we're all playing with our imaginations a little bit at the moment. Some yeah. rather fearfully, some more hopefully. And just imagine commentators reciting the, the great
3: songs of the modern era. Fantastic. OK, well, let's hear Clive, then, uh, reworking uh,
5: a modern classic. State your name. Cuz. Stormzy. In it. What are we doing today? Rapping. In it. Yeah. Ripping... It Yeah! Fire in the park! Let's go! Man, try to say he's better than me! Shut up! Mention my name in your tweets! Oi! rude boy, shut up! How can you be better than me? Shut up! Best in the scene! Tell my man, shut up! Tomorrow... Dance, funky. unless you've got any particular requests. I've never seen anybody do the things
3: that you do before. <laughs> Beautiful. <can't laughs> ever I the thought challenge. he was the man himself for a moment there.
7: The, the challenge, if Stormzy is out there, is <laughs> I want to hear him now rap the penalty shootout between England and <laughs> Colombia at the World Cup
3: <laughs> And you're going to have to get Glenn as your hype man, definitely. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Welcome. Top work. Tomorrow, well, okay.
7: um, the, I, I, actually, I'm going to do a different song tomorrow, I, I, here's a, an exclusive preview. It begins with uh, the, uh, the the line, um, "I see a, a a little silhouette of
3: a of a man." <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah, Brilliant. I think we I
3: think we may have guessed. Brilliant, Clive. Uh, stay safe. We'll catch up with you soon. All the best. Stay safe, everybody. There we are, there's Clive Tildesley there, your uh, commentator. I'm just about to drop this on the producer. I sent him a song, uh, because we've just heard a bit of music, Andy. I sent him a song Mm. uh, over a little bit earlier on. It's it's an old classic, and and it's just struck me that it's a surprise that no one has uh, reissued it, because, I mean... um, it's, it feels like it's very timely if they did reissue it. Or, or maybe I'm suggesting that hmm. uh, all the Talk Sport presenters and production team do a kind of charity, arms in the air cover version of it. Um, so I think, I think we can give you a blast of it now. Uh, from, see if you think a, this might work.
2: From a distance, the world looks blue and
8: green, and the snow cap mountains <laughs>
6: white. From
1: a distance
8: You
3: can imagine Alan, can't you? From a distance With his hand on his headphones Sitting in the uh,
4: shed in (laughs) in Suffolk (laughs) It could be the follow-up to Come on Eileen We could be on Top of the Pops again Yeah, we could be, who knows Anyway, we'll play up a little bit
3: of Bet Midler It's only a matter of time I'm sure it's a big one on Spotify at the moment Because we're all coming from a distance, aren't we? So, more from us uh, Very, very shortly Live from our living rooms on Talksport
6: It's the voice of
2: The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast
3: from TalkSport. We've got a new little feature that the Moose came up with yesterday, so uh, he joins us now. Ian, good afternoon. Hi, Paul. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? Hi, Ian. Good, thanks. How's your yeah, well, Chiswick, I think, yeah, Chiswick's much like everywhere else in the world. Quiet, I think, <laughs> <laughs> wherever you are, wherever we are. It's not, I'm looking out the window now. Actually, there is, uh, yeah, one of my neighbours is walking past. But that was, that was a rare, <laughs> that was a rare occurrence. She's having, she's obviously having a sort of half an hour, uh, walk. So, um, so this is your baby, Moose. So we'll leave it up to you. Where, where did this idea come from?
9: Okay, so I've, I've always collected football programs since I was a kid, and I've hmm. probably got, I would say, between fifteen and 20,000 of them. I used to have a lot yeah. more, but I gave them away because my wife moaned about the space it takes up. <laughs> and I was just having <laughs> look- <laughs> to look through the other night at some of them. I thought, do you know what? It's like, people can people guess what year the games were by me giving out clues from, from the programs. You know, maybe hmm. the, uh, describe what's on the front cover, the, the players in the team sheet, and, and then you sort of just, you know, remember the year, whether it was a good year or a bad year, remember the game or have you. So I thought I I would try it with, you know, with you guys, you know, we're all of a a similar era. I know that Andy's a little bit older, but Mm. we're all of a a similar era, you know, the seventies, the eighties, nineties and, and and for on. So I I got two programs out. One's an Arsenal program against Spurs. And one is a Chelsea program. So I'll, I'll start with the Arsenal program. Um, but I'm, I'm just going to sort of tell you what's on it and what's in it. And then you two can have a little bit of a guess at what you think the year might be. And we've got a bit of an audio clue as well, if you're struggling. So the front page is an Arsenal Spurs match. And the front page of this program shows one picture of a bit of Arsenal action from a, a previous home game against Bristol City. So it's got Malcolm McDonald on the front. It's got Jerry Gow of Bristol City uh, in the background. Various other Arsenal players uh, as well, like likes of David O'Leary and, and Pat Rice. Um, So do you want to have a little guess at what the year might be?
3: OK, so we've got uh, Jerry Gale seven. playing for City and we've got... Was this a league match or a cup game? Oh, this one against Bristol City. Because, I mean, obviously that would... No, uh, I mean, that the, would, the game's
9: Arsenal against Spurs. So oh, a, sorry, no, but
3: I thought you were you're telling us what's on the cover of that particular Oh, program. yeah, what's
9: on the cover? <laughs> no, the, it would have been a league game. <laughs> it would have been,
3: been a league game, OK. All right, well, Malcolm McDonald's playing for Arsenal. He's left Newcastle. And he's playing for Arsenal by then. Andy, do you have got any idea?
4: I'm thinking early 70s. I'm thinking nineteen mm. seventy. 1970- do
3: you know, I was thinking around a very similar sort of era. I would have said about 1975. So, is it, at this point, are you going to tell us, are we... No, no,
9: I'll tell you I'll tell in the end, but, I mean, you know, you might want to change your mind when I tell you that if I turn to the back, it's got the two teams, the two lineups. So, I'll okay. give you three players from each team. So, okay. Arsenal's team lineup included Steve Gatting, Ooh. David O'Leary, and Peter Simpson. right. And Spurs lineup included Glenn Hoddle, hmm. Steve Perriman, yeah. and
4: Mike Steed. Who? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, no disrespect to Mike. Mike. <laughs> yeah, so if
3: Mike's listening, he's feeling a million dollars
4: now, aren't he? <laughs> well <Sorry>. done, Andy.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: right. So there okay, we go. So well. Do
2: you want to change Stevie...
9: your mind, or are you happy to stick with what you've
4: got? Could be later, couldn't it? You know, All right, I, I'll go. I'm switching to 1978. Okay. From 74, right?
9: <laughs> Paul?
4: <laughs> Paul's just thinking.
9: <laughs> Paul, Paul, Paul's gone for a lay down. <laughs> well, let me give you a further clue. It also says that the League Cup tie that, that okay. followed it later that month, the tickets for it, for Arsenal against Chelsea, cost one pound twenty.
4: Really? That's cheap, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really. It's a It's it? ridiculous. <laughs> Even with inflation, that can't be right. That's unbelievable. <laughs> so glad you kept these programs. It's so worthwhile. Oh, right. this. It's marvellous.
9: Yeah. The boss has had it. The boss has had a guess, by the way, and got it wrong. So, okay. Uh,
3: the, so, are we we're going to continue? I think I may mean, have just would, would uh, you like, would you like lost audio. you boys oh, momentarily. You audio
9: clue. Yeah. Nobody's got it right yet. So, here's the audio clue, then, of this okay. particular oh, year. So I'm trying with to Taylor, well.
8: and here
7: Goal difference could be so important. Although Tottenham's really, to be fair, is so weird. But it's on a par with West Ham's.
5: And they will fight on. And the players go away to find out just how much that victory counts when they look
9: at the other results. That's Spurs yeah, beating Villa. A...
4: Go on in. Hello.
9: It was Spurs yes. beaten Villa, and it was a, a game which would, could determine whether or not one of those two teams went down. What's
4: the year? Yeah, I was trying to think. Actually, well, I, people uh, will know this better. I think this is uh, this
3: is um, I think it's seventy-seven. Sorry, I lost you guys there. I think I caught a little yeah. bit of the commentary, but um, I think this is I think this is probably nineteen seventy-seven. I'm going a bit later than I than I originally you said. You are
9: spot on. Seventy-six, seventy-seven. The year that Tottenham were relegated, bottom yeah. of the first division. They did win the game. The game in question was Peter Simpson's testimonial match. They won 2 1 in front of 19,000 people, but it mattered not because Spurs were relegated. And of course, Paul. Not the, not, not, not the happiest year of your existence as a Spurs fan. I love the, the fact worst. that
3: you've got you've got about two thousand programmes, Moose, <laughs> yes, and as a West Ham fan, the one you find out the two thousand <laughs> happens to come from the year that Spurs got
4: relegated.
3: I mean, I know, I've got about fun, I've got it? about fifteen programmes, and I bet at least four of those are from a year when West Ham were relegated.
4: No, I mean, this it will go on. Right, here's the second
9: programme. Second programme is Chelsea. Chelsea against Macclesfield. Okay. Right. And yeah. uh, on the front cover is a picture of Paolo Ferreira.
4: Right. So this is in the cup, obviously. And Paulo Ferreira was around the late 90s, I would have said. Uh, am I going mad? Did he come in after <laughs> Albert Ferreira? I'm trying to. Albert Ferreira and Paolo Ferreira. The bloke behind me always used to get confused between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe
9: Portuguese.
4: Well, no, but they got a similar name and he used to call him Ferrara, which confused everybody. But I think it's probably around two thousand and seven.
3: Okay. okay. Um, I, I yeah, I mean that's possible. I would imagine that was roughly when I thought he would have been there. He was there for quite a long time, Paolo Ferrer, wasn't he? He was probably there about sort of seven years or something. I mean
9: He was there for a fair while. Yeah. Two thousand I'll go, go
3: uh,
9: let's go I'll go around two thousand and six. Okay. Three players from the Chelsea team, the Macclesfield team included. By the way, Paul Ince, who was playing manager. Three from the wow. Macclesfield, uh, three from the Chelsea team that day were Jeremy, Carlo <laughs> Cudicini, and Michael Woods.
4: Oh, wow. Michael Woods, that Can young man go from Leeds. Woods there, go on. <laughs> No, no, the young man from Leeds. I remember him, red hair. Um yeah. God, that's quite tricky. Again, I'm, I'm sticking sure to about. <laughs> sticking to about 2000 and it's got to be around that period I, I, was I wrong obviously so I'll go 2008
3: Paul um, I'll go 2000 did you say 2007 before Andy did you yeah I'll go 2000. I said 2006 so I wasn't right so I'll go
9: 2005 okay here's the audio clip for for both of you okay
2: Mikel played that forward bar. his drop bar again and
5: Chelsea have scored and it's DDA Drogba with the first goal in an FA Cup final at the new Wembley.
3: Uh, okay, well, Andy, I think Andy should get that because he was there. And, and no, Andy, Andy, there.
9: Andy has indeed already got it. It was 2007. Uh, were you there at that Good. final, Andy?
4: Uh, good, I was at that game actually and uh, I'm, there's a thing in the Chelsea Museum and there's a picture of that goal and I'm in the crowd, you can see my face in the crowd. Really? Anybody? And Yes, not that anybody would be interested, but there you go. <laughs> Didier Drogba, as Motti would call. <laughs> Paul, I've got one to cheer you up though from a programme, it's a Chelsea programme oh, yeah. 11th of January 1958. Wow. It's uh, Ch- Chelsea 2, Tottenham 4. Uh, scorers, oh, and he gives the Chelsea scorers <laughs> a brilliant uh, McNichols <laughs> and Bellet. I don't know what happened to who scored for, for Tottenham. Oh, Harmer made it 1 3 in the 69th oh, yeah. minute. It's yeah, totally so you Do I yeah.
9: by the way? Either you remember the quarterfinal that year, by the way, Chelsea, that, that was their beginning, they started a route to Wembley with a 6-1 win over Macclesfield, then they beat Norwich 4, uh, but do you remember the, the quarterfinal, either of you?
3: No, maybe no. I blocked it out.
9: Okay, 2-2 between the two of you at Stamford Bridge, and then Chelsea won the replay 2-1
4: at White Hart Lane. Was that Shevchenko scored, that fabulous goal? Yeah. It might have been, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the easiest time he ever did anything.
3: I was at that game. He sort of pinged it in, didn't he? About 25 (laughs) (laughs) yards from the edge of the box, a ridiculous angle right in the top corner. I do remember that,
4: yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah,
9: It was good. So so we questioned this afternoon who Mike Steed is, and we've decided that Shevchenko only did one decent thing for Chelsea.
3: (laughs) And uh, it's great. Is this new feature called Let's Give Spurs a Kicking? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> take it no, in. it's not. Listen, I
9: promise you, I, pro- I promise you if there's a second edition of it, I will not have a season where Spurs went down. How's that?
2: Fantastic. Good well, man, Moose. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast
3: from TalkSport. It's Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport, live from our living rooms. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been digging into the archive a little bit and uh, bringing you some of the uh, moments from our road trips to various uh, European Championships and World Cups over the years. We're going to do that now. Slightly different, rather than it being a trip to a match or or an event or something we got up to out on the road. Uh, This is just a little microcosm of uh, what it was like uh, as we were bringing the shows. This is the first... Uh, opening section of, of the first show that we did from Rio back in 2014. We've been amassing a bit of uh, material over the weekend and I think Andy came out in a big splurge predominantly with Andy. So we hope you enjoy this day one of the 2014 World Cup on H&J. <laughs>
4: Morning Rio! Yeah, that's I thought I'd do it in a Mexican accent. Yeah, that's right. In
3: keeping with the trails. Tony Montana and yeah. uh, Nelson Mandela hybrid. Very you good. mentioned it there, but the holiday nearly got off to a terrible start. It's not a holiday, Andy. Oh, isn't it? Sorry. For all sorts of reasons, it's, not, it's certainly not a holiday. No, but, yeah, re- so we turn up at the airport. You, you may have been told this over the weekend on the station. And uh, Andy realises
4: he hands over his passport. There's his wife's picture on yeah, it. Yeah, I see her flicking through it. I see the wife's photo. Oh, my heart's sinking. Well, you, you don't normally feel like that when you see the wife's photo. <laughs> no, do I don't normally, no. But uh, the good woman that she is, she mm. sped to the airport, we swapped passports, yeah. and uh, here I am. And but the, w- the language was quite spectacular. You were beating yourself up, as anybody would when they've done yeah. that. But the, some of the
3: language you were using, I mean, to yourself, yeah. the names you were calling, you, I think you were a bit hard on yourself. Yeah,
4: but this is what people don't understand. When I'm hard on other people, people don't realise. Like, when I do something wrong, I'm my worst enemy. I can really, I could swear at yeah. myself for hours. I've got me a start, myself and our producer, Tom, we were, g- we were giving it our eyes. We were
3: biting the bottom lip, weren't we? <laughs> because we knew your missus only lived 20 minutes away. We knew it was all going. <laughs> Get sorted,
4: <laughs> so we were having a little bit of a laugh. Well, why not? Just <laughs> as you were walking around effing and jeffing. I have to say, it's a real privilege, it's a real honor to be here. Is. We, we, joking aside, we really are lucky to be. It's a fantastic place. The atmosphere is incredible. It has, yeah, been it's, amazing. It's not like it was when I came in 2006. It's really been World Cup. We've been to the Fan Fest, we've walked along Ipanema. It's a really beautiful city with a really beautiful atmosphere, and it's tremendous. That's been the one thing. I mean, a lot of pre publicity was just out edgy it was here, and you had to be
3: Mm. fairly careful, and we were talking to Patrick Bartley off air, he's up shortly, and he's saying you do have to keep your wits about you, and you have to remind yourself that Mm. there is an edge to the place, but it is so uh, busy, certainly... uh, He said it's not Brighton. I (laughs) get that
4: idea when I look at the beach.
3: (laughs) But it... It's a, you said it's very, very different, isn't it, when yeah. you're here last time. When there's not a tournament, when, it, when a tournament's in town, mm. it does seem to be obviously a whole lot busier, which would make things a whole lot more difficult to do, a, a higher police presence.
4: And it just feels it's a really nice vibe, isn't it? Yeah, the world's here, isn't it? I mean, we were eating on Saturday night, and there was Sylvain Wiltord and Usman right. Darbo. But the, the thing is, though bear what I said about being fabulous being here and being a privilege please bear that in mind when we start complaining about things no nobody's complained about anything the only thing you're, you've been, well, you've been complained we could coffee yeah, what are you talking about uh, can they rewrite the lyrics to that song there's not an awful lot of coffee in Brazil there uh, and honestly, if they are they don't have them until 9 o'clock honestly within this whole area and we're right in the front here by the beach it's a really beautiful area there's this one coffee shop about ten minutes away. I mean, in where I live, there's 68 in the high road. Oh well, it's really amazing. Well, why don't you go home then?
3: <laughs> go home and have a cup of coffee. go to
4: Starbucks in Chiswick High Street yeah. and, and watch say, it on the telly. And can I say I did not complain about the air, no air conditioning here? Adrian very kindly tweeted that I've been here five minutes and I was complaining. I got oh, dogs. You've got pelters in your hand. Really, honestly, I you know I do realise it's a great privilege to be here. I just made the point that if you had a beautiful apartment in this particular area, yeah. Th- th- Obviously, costs a fortune, and it's a place where there's forty degree heat in the winter. You might have not just ceiling fans. Is that what you're yeah. saying? You might have air conditioning. You'd invest. You might think about it. Okay. That's all. It sounds
3: it's nothing like nothing wrong with that. To me. So, um, <laughs> Andy landed at uh, Sao Paulo Airport en route to Rio, and the first thing he did, a man who soaks up the culture in every country, was to go to McDonald's and see if they do a bacon and egg <laughs> McMuffin.
4: They don't. Basically. They don't. They don't do a sausage egg McMuffin. It was very disappointing. Everything. But they I'm do. not
3: complaining. <laughs> oh no, I'm not complaining. Breakfast uh, is temp-
4: it's normally a pastry with very runny hot cheese in it. <laughs> that that seems to be what they like in South. They power. do like a bit of cheese. Can I just say, during this World Cup, if you spot a balding bloke with a goatee beard and glasses, don't bother to tweet it. Honestly, I know oh, I've on. seen it. I've seen it before. That, all of them. No, that about tra- hundred of that bloke from Italy. Italian, yeah, I get the idea. That Italian physio. <laughs> I mean, he, that's a bit more than just a. <laughs> he looks like you. He looks like you. He's when, very similar. He looks to like me, you apparently. in your menswear days. He's been complaining the whole time. It's yeah, Italy a bit. Here. The flat is so in. So we can't, can't get any coffee. Out up a side. Where's the
3: coffee? Um, uh, quite a lot of England fans here quite noticeably, isn't there? I mean, I suppose they're using it as
4: a hub and then going off to yeah, watch it. Yeah, one nearly fell project. on us last night in that pizza place. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> right. He went to point out what the best thing on the menu was and then basically collapsed yeah. on the menu. Drink had, been, <laughs> drink had been taken. <laughs> well done, mate. But th- there's a big uh, fan zone on uh, Copacabana Beach, and
3: uh, we popped along and saw the Argentina game there last night. As you've been to Argentina a few times, you know a few of the Argentinian songs. And as we were getting off the uh, yeah. plane at Sao Paulo, it's full of Argentinians to Rio and a
4: connecting flight. They they were singing these uh, anti river plate songs so they were doing like yeah. club songs it was a bit of club so you saw a lot of club shirts you see a lot of people in football shirts here as well yeah which of course that's strange isn't it old World oh, Cup sounds like Alan's been, one from the Clips who, last week who would week. have thought yeah <laughs> Coming up later There's also... Awful lot of South Americans <laughs> here. Coming up later also will be uh, my... very popular channel and I say popular. I liked it. Popular. And, uh, <laughs> very popular. And uh, it will be my food diary. Yeah. And uh, I've already managed... We're lucky to have lunch with Alan Shearer. It's a bit of a name-dropper there. Yeah, me. that was fun, wasn't it? Very good fun. What a lovely bloke he is. And uh, even he remarked, didn't he? He said, blimey, you can put it away. Yeah, didn't he? He did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he did say that amongst other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't bring film Neville on. I can't Neville say anything long. else. He said no. It was a pity,
3: really. He didn't bring film Neville on. We understand yeah. his commentary is, uh, is yeah, great. quite the Well, I,
4: I was listening to it on Slingbox, and uh, he's no Gary Neville. That's safe to say. Okay. But, you know, you've got to say the BBC were, you know, to dump him in it like that. You know, for the first game of the World Cup, England game, massive thing. You know, that was mad. You know, yeah, well, the, the way you've got to look at his uh, early days. and um, well, You know, very much his early could, days. It uh, was very unfortunate. It should get better. I was watching on my slingbox and I was about 30 seconds behind this You should point
3: else. out for people who aren't up with the new technologies, this allows you to watch your skybox. You ever or go when I do old references and you ever go when I do new well, not references? not only people know what, Bob
4: and I bros don't know what a slingbox oh, is. he's got one. Probably thinks it's something you're
1: wearing.
4: <laughs> all right, it's a piece of kit you attach to your satellite, it uploads your satellite picture to the internet, yeah. you can then download it wherever you are in the world. So you've something. overcomplicated that now, No, that's what it no. is. <laughs> <laughs> you've made it all a bit techy. It's fantastic, but obviously it's a bit of a delay. By the time it goes from Chiswick up to the satellite and back down to Rio, Yeah. obviously the telly in Rio slightly ahead of that. And, uh, so Gary Lewin, poor Gary Lewin, uh, we hope he's all right. He got injured and the crowd were around him. You all saw it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I was 30 seconds behind and nobody seemed to know who it was. And I didn't realise you'd all know. So I shout... It's Gary Lewin But yeah. of course by that time They were already playing football Gary was already on his way to hospital Yeah I think Gary was <laughs> on the plane Coming home by the time he shouted it out uh, We
3: don't know if you've made An idiot of yourself so far This is the trouble mm. World Cups You sit there in the pub At home uh, Even on air As uh, Stuart Pearce yeah. admitted The other day He sit sitting with us Watching the game We watched it here In the, the TalkSport apartment And Stuart just turned around To us and he said He's done nothing Has he Balotelli Absolutely Oh hang on Bang! I know. It, it happened. To but be we all honest,
4: when I wasn't watching it on Slingbox, I was watching it on the telly. Stuart ruined the whole game for us because he was listening to Jim Browfer. Yeah, it was about five seconds before, so he kept, he kept going, "Goal, yeah. goal!" When well, well, he well, stopped, yeah, doing that does that. really kill football. When he, somebody says "goal" before it actually happens, <laughs> he, he stopped doing that. He did. <laughs>
3: so there we are. That was that fun. Was, that was day one of uh, of Brazil uh, back in uh, two thousand and fourteen, and we'll bring you some more. Uh, moments from the vaults over the next uh, couple of weeks, I'm sure. Uh, We've got a a couple of uh, series, uh, continuing series, which we launched yesterday. One is Steve Bruce reading his own murder mystery book called Striker. That's coming up shortly. Um, And it's a real book that um, Steve wrote back in ninety. He wrote three books, Defender, Sweeper and Striker. They're all little murder mysteries uh, about a character called Steve Barnes, who's the manager of Premier League... Lettersford Town. So, proving again, it's always hard to come up with good <laughs> fictional football team names.
6: <laughs> but uh,
3: that'll be read for you in the next hour. We'll get you up to speed with it after day one. Uh, also, we're doing On This Day in Sporting History yesterday. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Uh, it's part two of Steve Bruce's striker. one of three... Uh, Murder mystery books he wrote in the late 90s. Uh, They tell the story of Steve Barnes, who is the manager uh, of, well, I think a team on its way to the Premier League. They're called Ledersford Town. And we gave you part one yesterday. And uh, let's give you a bit of a recap on what happened. It's a very dramatic opening to the book.
6: Bright red blood on the knife blade. The knife in my hand. Duffy's dead body stretched out on the locker room floor. That's when Carberry opens the door. I'll give the police a bell, Carberry said. Eddie Carberry was enjoying this. This was his big chance. Me inside on a charge of murder, Carberry's caretaker manager, a run of good results and he gets my job.
3: So there we are. That's a flavour of what happened yesterday. He's been found standing over a dead body with a potential murder weapon in his hands. It's not looking good for uh, Steve Barnes. But Steve at the moment is taking us on a little bit of a trip down memory lane, telling us his story from the world of football.
6: We all had our heroes, some from the past, some more recent. Jackie Milburn, Bobby Robson, Jack and Bobby Charlton, Brian Robson, Alan Shearer, Paul Gascoigne. The list goes on and on. What I never guessed, even in my wildest dreams and like any other soccer crazy boy I had my share of dreams, what I never guessed was that one day I'd make the top grade. My dad knew I had the skills but he looked on soccer as a chancy way to make a living. In some ways he was right, he told me to get a trade. Alex Ferguson was a shipyard welder, get a trade first dad told me and maybe make a bit from football too. He wanted me to be a plumber, that would complement his skills as a fitter. There would be all sorts of jobs we could tackle together, Barnes and sun, fitters and plumbers. In the end it was soccer that claimed all my attention and it still does. I wanted to be a striker, maybe every boy does. I saw myself slotting in the winning goal at Wembley against Brazil or Argentina to snatch the World Cup for the country. PE teacher at school made me change my mind. You're a defender Steve, he said, you've got the shoulders of an ox, you're tall and you can move fast. I was never just a stopper. That isn't how modern football is played. Defence isn't a matter of putting the ball into the stands, it's about blunting their attack and moving straight onto the offensive. I remember the days when centre forwards used to lounge about upfield during a period of defence waiting for a high ball to be delivered to him. That's changed, and changed utterly. Nowadays you'll find Alan Shearer on the goal line, heading clear when the keeper's been left stranded. Every member of the side is an attacker and a defender. That's one of the important facets of the modern game I instil in my squad on the training ground. Well if soccer skills had been the only thing at school, I'd have been a scholar. As it was, PE was my best subject. I managed a good GCSE in English, which is why I can tell you this story now. Your brains are all in your feet, lad, the English teacher told me. I was determined to prove him wrong. That may be why he said it. Teachers have to motivate the kids. It's the same being a manager. Motivation is the name of the game. So I became a defender. I was young and strong and knew how to read a game. I played for the school team even when in junior form. On Saturdays, I turned out for the youth club team. I'd like to think that scouts came along to matches almost by chance and spotted my talents. It wasn't like that. My dad was active on my behalf. He got in touch with club scouts and invited them to come along and have a look at what he called this young prospect. He didn't say the young prospect was his son.
4: So there we
3: are. A bit of background on Steve Barnes, the uh, manager and coach of Lettersford Town. And it's great that Steve himself is uh, willing to take the time to Read, of course. <laughs> uh, we it's have not. to be honest here. It is the brilliant Ian Dance, although Chris Davis, journalist Chris Davis, could not believe it when we said it was Dance. He thought it was Steve. The trouble for Dance in this is to do a good uh, Steve Bruce impression, which I think you'd agree it is, he has to basically press his nose into his face.
9: <laughs> to get,
3: and he said he's slightly worried if he does the whole
4: book, he's going to stay like that. So, but, but brilliant, Dance. It? Thank you very much and uh, Steve called it soccer there I'm not having that and uh, I love yeah. the bit where he went and strikers used to lounge about upfield he obviously hasn't seen Alvaro Morata playing for Chelsea <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Joe Linton stuff. yeah it's true very good stuff from yeah. Um I've got some dog news for you Paul oh good okay I know you like dog news we used to have a trail for this but I, I think do, that's yeah. asking a bit much so I didn't even tell them what yeah, I was going to do top doing. of your head it is yeah <laughs> It might come up right in the middle of me doing it. You never know. Uh, Meet, this is not the Daily Star today. Meet Britain's oldest dog, who's still on the go at 21. Queenie, 103 in humanly years, not human leagues. (laughs) Dogs, (laughs) that's a dog in the human league. I I don't remember that. 103 in human years. Elizabeth Terriers, Bonnie, 10 and 12. And apparently it's all down to dog biscuits made out of porridge and whiskey. (laughs) Of course it is. Of course it is. is. Red wine, your glass of red wine. Don't give your dogs red wine. Yep. No, I've got another one for you, Paul. This is, and this is relevant to you. This is pets are being given names that children would get. So nine out of ten of the most popular names given to puppies and kittens were also given to babies in 2019. Uh, A little bit more. Analysis of more than 100,000 pets revealed that owners have rejected traditional names as Rex and Rover in favor of Molly. Sure, dog, Rosie and Ruby, all of which appeared in the top hundred names for newborns last year. So you're on trend there, Paul.
3: Oh, that's good to hear. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'm just trying. I've I've had to keep all the doors closed of this room where I'm broadcasting from because the dog will come in. And probably start treading on all the wires and uh, kind of pouring at me. So, uh, but she'd much rather be sitting in here. I have to try and get her on air one day. If the like, she can do five minutes. But anyway, we've got this other feature, Andy, which is uh, on this day in sporting history, yesterday, uh, point of the show where we look back on a famous um, sporting anniversary from yesterday. And uh, yesterday in uh, 1918 was uh, the birth in Winston-Salem, North Carolina of the legendary sportscaster, Howard Cassell. Oh. Yeah. Now, you remember yeah. Howard.
4: I do. I loved Howard. He was a brilliant commentator. Of course, if you've ever seen any documentaries on Muhammad Ali, he features strongly. He used to climb in the ring afterwards, you know, a bit like old Don McGinnis, Climb in there, get the interview, and he uh, just had a way about it. He had a great voice, too.
3: He was, he was the kind of mix between our Harry Carpenter and our David Coleman. He presented a show much. called Wide, Wide, Wide World of Sports, which was a massive mm. show in the States, a kind of sports night with Coleman type show. And as Andy said, his relationship with Muhammad Ali kind of defined his career to an extent. This was a piece that, after Ali died, that ABC News in the States put together that kind of tells the story of the two men. And it's the kind of Harry Carpenter, Frank Bruno relationship we knew, we knew in this country.
4: Have a listen to this. Have a little dance like we boxing in, in just one second. I have to time
1: it. They were boxing odd couple. <laughs> Muhammad Ali, the brash young black boxing champ from Louisville, and ABC's Howard Cosell, a Jewish sports reporter from Brooklyn. This fella making all this noise is Howard cosell But somehow it worked.
2: You're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there.
1: For over thirty years, they played their roles to perfection. Cosell, the pompous commentator, Ali with just the needle to puncture that pomposity. You're always coming on with a lot of big words.
6: <laughs>
1: but there was also genuine respect and affection, especially when Ali felt slighted by others. When Ali adopted a Muslim name, Cosell was one of the first reporters to call him by it.
2: How do you want to be called now, Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay? Muhammad Ali.
1: When Ali was banned from boxing for refusing to be drafted, Cosell stood by him.
5: All of the years...
1: On Ali's 50th birthday, just a few years before Cosell died...
2: You're a very special man.
1: He was there to honor. honor his friend. Your name
2: is Muhammad.
4: Oh, that was great, there. Lovely piece, Paul. And uh, I, when I was on honeymoon in 1974, I turned on the TV in my hotel room, and I had my tape recorder with me, and I recorded how Cosell because I'd never heard him before. I was fascinated by this man's voice. Uh, good but not capacity crowd. I remember it being sort of open. So I sort of had it on tape, so I was able to slightly, slightly be able to do it. So it was fun, but great, great memories there. Before
3: we leave, Howard, we're going to play you a little bit of a Woody Allen film called Sleeper. Woody absolutely loved Howard Cassell. There's a wonderful scene in Sleeper that, for this time of the day with the kids off school, is a bit on the nose. It's, uh, it's basically, they, they treat the honeymoon night as a boxing match, and there's a crowd there, <laughs> and Howard speaks to the couple... Uh, post-consummation, but we'll leave that. We'll let you go and check that. It's very, very funny. But there is one little scene with Woody where he's being quizzed. He's gone 200 years into the future, and he's being quizzed uh, by a scientist who's found an old bit of footage of Howard Cassell, and they're showing this to Woody on the screen, and they want an explanation of what it meant. So have a listen to this.
1: Thank you very
5: much, Jimmy. From the beginning, Muhammad Ali's career was marred by controversy, and who knows, it may have ended last Saturday in the very same way. From the beginning he appeared... we
6: didn't know exactly what this was, but we've developed a theory. We feel that when citizens in your society were guilty of a crime against the state, they were forced to watch this. Remember the
5: way it began?
6: March of
3: 1964. That's where it really yes. began.
6: The
9: That's exactly what that was.
4: <laughs> That's good. I've forgotten what uh, the anniversary was out. now. That's brilliant, isn't it? It was on this day yesterday. Howard Cosell was. What was he born? Was he? Was
3: born. That's oh, right. Okay. Was born. Good. So uh, it was just an, uh, just an excuse to play you that, really. So on yeah, this day in uh, sporting history, yesterday, the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast
2: from TalkSport. So
3: uh, what do we fancy watching on the telly tonight? Mike Ward, uh, the Stars uh, TV reviewer, joins us once again. Hey, Mike. Hi, guys. Um, now, uh, Andy has got a sporting documentary recommendation okay. to kick us off. Uh, I know we
4: don't normally do it in this section, but it, it's worth putting it out there, Andy. Yeah, just speaking to Gareth Davis uh, there, Gareth A. Davis, our boxing correspondent, it reminded me that uh, BT is showing, once again, uh, get on the catch-up planner, Muhammad and Larry. It's a wonderful 30 for 30 documentary. It's very moving, actually, uh, about Larry Holmes, that last fight he had with Ali and uh, how he didn't really want to take him on. So that's a recommendation from me.
3: Good stuff um, quick one from me as well, I mean which is available on on your, your channel four player. did you see the undatables last night mike i didn 't know no it was it was very good as it always is it 's an uplifting bit of TV mm. actually and uh, Nicholas from Berkshire was on he, is, uh, he wants to be a football commentator um, okay. he does stuff at bracknell town FC and he was really good. They showed him uh, doing some of his commentary and he was sensational, so bringing it back to sport last night to tell you it was uh, it was a, a good watch, yeah. and uh,
8: that's on your, oh, your I'll, channel I'll 4. Play. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, yeah. I, your recommendation, I have to say, your recommendation yesterday, I said to my wife, Would you like to watch a film about an ice hockey player being maimed? And she said, "I'd rather watch MasterChef."
3: So it's not working. You might have more That's luck. Brilliant. You might have more luck with undateables. Okay.
8: Uh, anyway, Anyway, um, t- t- what do we fancy tonight? Uh, the Pet Talent Agency, obviously. Barking Mad. Uh, yeah. Channel Four, ten o'clock. It's it's everything it says. Um, yeah. Pet Talent Agency. It is called Barking Mad, and it is a real life agency in Dover uh run by a woman called karen chamberlain who wh- wh- hmm. it's, a, it's one of those documentaries you watch it and you think is this a mockumentary because she is so sort of, you're full of yeah i say full of herself i mean I don't mean that nicely she's just so such a natural yes <laughs> so so, do you think you are running an agency um <laughs> she's such a natural in front of the camera uh that it feels as if it's sort of self parody and in a way it is because obviously um uh it's, it's not being cruel to say so it's not in, uh, the most successful business at this stage they have cash flow no. issues and one of the so it's a story about her and her husband and coming up with this idea because she's got bulldogs and they started getting used in commercials uh rugby world cup photo shoot church insurance national lottery etc etc and she suddenly thought oh hang on a minute you know there's money to be made here in the idea of people coming who want ad- animals of all kinds for adverts. Uh, for music videos, even, um, and so she set up this agency, and she sort of encourages people to come along with their various uh, uh, creatures and become, uh, you know, sign up to be on her books with varying degrees of success. So it's it's quite a light-hearted uh, look at somebody coming up with an idea which hasn't quite fully come to fruition, shall we say?
3: I'm wondering if I've actually seen Karen in action because when we were doing TV Burp, often I went along to a few recordings and. Yeah. If animals were involved, you'd need, obviously, you'd need the person from the agency there as a kind of uh, a wrangler for yeah. these animals because uh, they, they can go slightly <laughs> off message. You need them over the dustpan and brush at the yeah. very
8: least yeah, or a plastic bag. Yeah, yeah.
3: But, um, yeah, I think I may, have seen her, I may have seen her at work, actually.
8: Oh, yeah. Well, she says she can supply everything. You, you may have come across it. everything from, quote, an alpaca to a duck to a giraffe to a zonkey, which apparently, <laughs> as we obviously should have known, is, is a zebra cross with a donkey. Why wouldn't right, well, it be? Of me? course. Yes. Of course. I don't know how that works, but um if that's what you want, um I, I don't really want to think about how she how she provides that, but um anyway. You know. <laughs> Yeah. now uh, Mike uh, yes.
4: one thing you're recommending I haven't caught this yet but I, I've heard it's good and I want to it, and I could, we could all do with it off meet the Richardsons yeah. with uh, former talk sport presenter John Richardson obviously better known as a comedian and uh, he's quite barmy John isn't he so I imagine yes. this is
8: quite fun he is barmy and fantastic I, I, I love it. I mean it's one of these you know obviously others have, have, have done similar things a comedian playing sort of exaggerated version of themselves so it's himself and, and Lucy Beaumont his wife who live in Hebden Bridge and you know so the cameras are following them around you know whatever they're getting up to this week and sort of bickering and and slight sort of of a competitive spirit between themselves he plays up to his sort of slightly cantankerous nature um and and in this particular episode tonight it's all about the fact that he he feels he has quite high moral standards he won't he won't just take money for doing any old gig you know if he doesn't believe in what it stands for um so chris kamara Gives him a call uh, and encourages him to uh, help him out with the charity uh, Le- with Leeds United. So he decides he's going to make an exception, obviously, you know, because it's Leeds United and he feels very passionate about that. Um, but he doesn't quite, he hasn't quite read the small print, shall we say. So it's, it's very <laughs> funny. And, 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 oh, OK. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I love it. And it's a good, yeah, it's only 25 minutes on Dave. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's just what you need, as they say at this time. Good stuff. 10 o'clock
3: uh, on Dave tonight. Uh, the other show that Mike was talking about was Channel 4, uh, 10 p.m., the, uh, the Pet Talent Agency. Also uh, tonight, Channel 5, 9 p.m. <laughs> I mean, this, th- this is a big ask. Ten, uh, I said, ask ten years younger in ten days.
8: Uh, well, <laughs> that, uh, how, do you, how can you do that? Well, oh, very, very easily. Uh, this <laughs> ten years younger used to be on uh, Channel Four about ten years ago, mm. um, and it was on for yeah. I think we had two or three different presenters. Mylene was presenter uh, at one stage, um, and mm. it was oh, it was all about people who just felt that they uh, let themselves go a bit and. <laughs> I know the feeling, and um, (laughs) went along, and um, and so without it was it was all non-invasive. So they'd have uh, makeup, they'd have sort of filler or whatever, Um, Hmm. they'd have uh, the teeth done uh that head or whatever and then you, they started off by standing this person in the street and asking passers-by to guess how old they were and they got an average of that And then the end at the end yeah. after all the process was done they took them out again with their new look and got a new figure and it's a question of seeing whether they actually were considered to be 10 years younger. they're not really 10 years younger they're the same age they were when they started bar a couple of weeks so it's, oh, don't it's ruin big, it
1: for us <laughs> i know oh, yes. it
8: uh, but it's brilliant. There's a guy on tonight, and you just look at it. It, it, it More often than not with these things, you think, actually, you could just go and get a haircut. You know, well he can't now obviously. <laughs> but, but you know seriously I'll just get some scissors because um there's a guy to the, he looks like uh, one of the hairy bikers he looks like if you just if you just morphed the two hairy bikers together he'd look like this guy um and so you think oh I don't know I just feel a bit scruffy I don't know what to do to make myself look better you've got a beard you know down to your knees and you've got hair down down to your ankles Take a wild guess how you're going to look a (laughs) bit better, you know. And sure enough, at the end, well, spoiler alert, he has his hair cut, you know, and he looks younger.
4: It's, it? it's fair enough. It's fair enough. I, <laughs> yeah. I, tell you, I
8: do feel a bit
4: for advertisers
8: at the moment because I was
4: watching TV last night and an ad for Velux Windows came up. And yeah. of course, these ads yeah. were made m- much before this. But the first line of the ad is, we spend so much time indoors. <laughs> think, yeah, thanks. You don't say. Yeah.
8: It's, uh, <laughs> it is like a parallel universe now. But it's, it's almost as if, as we, we sort of touched on this yesterday, didn't we? It's almost as if you watch TV now, you have to just switch off the reality of life and just accept that you're, this is a window on the world... Uh, that's carrying on as if nothing's happening on, you know, on our, on our screens, you know, we're going to carry on seeing adverts where people go, oh, you know, or, or TV programs where people sort of get in a plane and fly off for no reason to Paris or whatever. Um, and you think, yeah, OK, well, we're just going to have to accept that that's what TV is like and probably that's what we want to watch still for a while. Yes. Uh,
3: and just uh, finally, uh, Channel 4. Five eight p.m. tonight. Secrets of your supermarket
8: food, Mike. What's all Yeah, the there isn't any. No, secrets of your supermarket food <laughs> is, is um, the latest of this Channel 5, Channel Five series, where basically um, they tell you things that are blindingly obvious by reading the label or whatever. But this week, this week, and it's interesting because they a lot of these shows tend to sort of tread over, you know, cover similar ground to other similar shows. So Channel Four has mm. got a thing called Food Unwrapped, which tells you all sorts of quirky things about the food that you eat and where it comes, from, how it's made and why it's done such and such. Uh, about three months ago, they went to a factory in Northern Ireland which makes bacon that doesn't use nitrites, which are meant to be the thing that makes it unhealthy to eat. In, in, it's right. Or, um, so tonight, in, in uh, Secrets of Your Supermarket Food on Channel 5, they're going to a factory mm. in Northern Ireland which makes bacon which doesn't use nitrites. Um, oh, brilliant so you know this factory must be just sort of his diary must be full of still sort of tv companies just say oh yeah i think we're gonna you know come along and have a, have a look at how your factory produces bacon and doesn't use his lunch." because i don't think anybody's heard about this before have they? no no we haven't had anyone anyone here um you know yeah. uh, <laughs> investigating that <laughs> i've it's, it's, yeah sorry Tom, i'm ranting
4: no i've tried it it's it's not as good as ordinary bacon, it's but not is go. it it's I, okay I... I probably shouldn't be admitting eating in anyway but
6: there
4: well, we go. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. we Mike we were going to watch uh, we, we did start to watch Mel and Sue's new show which actually got um a good reviews in the paper this morning yes. and uh, people seem to think it was good. But um, the thing is my wife remembers an incident with Mel goodwood which I can't really go into here. we oh. put her off watching the whole program. Oh, really? She went to watch she, a, well, she went really? to She went to watch a recording of uh, Mel doing a BBC radio show, and uh, you know, it went on for quite a long time, the recording, and then basically at the end of it my wife had had enough so she tried to leave and Mel (laughs) Goodrick ran after her and said you can't leave we're doing retakes (laughs) 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 you can't leave like the Hotel California
3: oh dear anyway I'm sure we get more Sue stories as time goes on (laughs) Um, just uh, and why didn't they call Secrets of the Supermarket Food uh, why didn't they call it Be All Right on the Nitrite I mean that was Uh, a terrible. wasn't it really (laughs) it's
2: never too late it's not until 8 (laughs) o'clock the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. There we
3: are. That was uh, the show this afternoon. Again, live from our living rooms. we we'll do it all again tomorrow from 1. We'll have clips of the week and Martin Kellner and a few of your Friday regulars as well. So until then,
2: keep safe and thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport.
0: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact...